Collaboration is the most important part because that's where the safety is for everyone. Welcome back to the Midwifery Wisdom Podcast. That quote I just shared is directly from today's episode. Our beloved co-host, Augustine, speaks with two incredible midwives heading an incredible movement in midwifery. Catherine Berry and April Durham have been working with groups in their area to train EMS drivers on how to safely and effectively handle out-of-hospital transports. I can hear you all now going, ooh, ah, and really, it is as awe-inspiring as it sounds. They share some of their experiences working with EMS groups, what they personally have learned as they have led these courses, and what they hope to see change as they continue this important work. All right, I'll stop talking now. Let's dive in. Well, welcome uh, to the podcast. And I am so extraordinarily excited to ask you questions and learn about this pilot project that it feels like you guys are doing. Yeah. How would you describe it? Is it a pilot project? Like it seems pretty original to me. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a pilot project. It's a passion project. I have been working at it. I mean, literally for a couple of decades, but actively for the past eight years to get implemented to the place it is now. Yeah, that it seems like a Herculean effort. You're changing paradigms. Well, so let's get the audience on board with what this is, because we could talk in parables for a while, but it's very exciting. Well, so I'm going to set the stage for the problem, and then you guys come in with some of the solution. How's that? Um, So across the nation, uh, people have home births, (laughs) and approximately 5 to 20% of those home births can't happen at home and need to be moved. And sometimes we move people by private vehicle, but a lot of times we require the fancy glorified taxi service that is EMS, right? Is that too strong of language or is that right? I mean, if you're having a heart attack, definitely call them. But if you're having a baby, they don't do so much. So we all have encountered these challenges where maybe well-meaning or maybe power hungry EMS or paramedics or firemen or policemen have walked in the room and really caused havoc. And I imagine you guys have had some not so great transport scenarios, which might've been the inspiration to create this. So tell us what you created and, and why you had the inspiration to do that. Go for it. it. Um, I am a licensed midwife and I practice in Northern California and um, the project is midwives training EMS folks so that they have a working knowledge of how to best attend a home birth transport that requires, as you said, the fast expensive ride to the hospital. Um, And it's been a passion project of mine for over a decade and getting it off the ground into the place now where it is becoming part of the curriculum of our local Santa Rosa Junior College paramedic training program. And we just had our first class go through where um, instead of it being a CEU option, it was now every candidate had six hours classroom time with us or myself. 
And then we had six hours scenario day with them, um, which was great. It was an amazing accomplishment. I bet it blew their mind. I bet it blew their mind. <laughs> I, right? I, that's the phrase I would use. They were definitely mind blown. They, they, I think what we, what something we took away that was so important is like how little training they really get around handling pregnant people, handling newborns and how absolutely terrifying it is for them. Um, they're, yeah. they're being put into a situation where they don't have the skills that they need yeah. and they don't feel comfortable yeah. and, yeah. um, <clears throat> and they are, and, and there's two patients typically instead of one, which is another whole mm -hmm. scene them and, mm -hmm. then, and then the actual logistics of managing it is really hard and really scary for them so you know yeah. we definitely put them through the paces that day <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know our past CMS experiences um we've been pretty fortunate in our county for the most part between the two of us and that it's it's generally been pretty smooth I think what we really saw was the trauma that these guys and these folks are walking in with um, <clears throat> and wanting to give them the tools that they need to not walk out feeling so scared um, and mm. also feeling like they could collaborate with us and create a more cohesive transport process for the clients and for the babes. And the collaboration that's is the most amazing. important part because that's where the yes. safety is for everyone. Yes, yes. We moved to the point where we're actually calling in an ambulance for help. The best thing we can do for everyone's safety is be able to collaborate and have a language that's yes. uh, somewhat familiar to them, whether it is uh, the language we're speaking or just the language of what equipment do I have that I bring in for these patients that I'm going to take care of and what questions might I ask? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the EMT experiences that stands out for me in terms of, I've definitely had the negative ones. Uh, one of them resulted in my preceptor getting reported to the medical board simply because of the interaction between the personal interaction between the, uh, life support team and the midwife. Um, so that in my training, I was like, oh, that can't happen. That's a bad thing. Um, and so I've worked towards how do we do better with that? In the beginning of lockdown, we had a birth that was one of those coming on at the last minute, changing their birth plan. Um, and we had a baby who wasn't stable. And, you know, mostly because it had too much fluid in its belly and we couldn't stabilize and we did call for the EMTs. And these two new guys walk in and they are so terrified and both very new. And they were able to collaborate with us on a level that we did a safe transport to the hospital. It was complete um, doing chest compressions and they weren't able to do it and they were able to let me do it for them and with them and um, not in a shame way, not in a, yeah, I'm taking over your role way, just we're collaborating because we have something to manage here. So yeah. uh, I think that really motivated me to get my gears rolling a little bit more to give these, all the candidates an opportunity to dive in as much as they want to understand 
this possible? Have some tools. Yeah. Have some tools. Right. I mean, I think that's what the fear is. Is there like having a heart attack? I've got my monitor, you know, have a cut. I've got some tape. Have you need an IV? I've got, but for childbirth, it's like, Oh God, I don't even have a Doppler, (laughs) you know, like they don't know what they're doing. Right. So, so yeah, giving them some tools finally. And like you said, some language, I bet that's probably really powerful. Well, there's been some, I mean, first of all, congratulations. Like I, I, I'm, I really, before we go into like the conversation about what this all means and how it can be replicated and what's all happening, I just want to say congratulations. Like that's a major accomplishment, not just to write a curriculum and show up, but like to convince the, the, the powers that be that this is necessary. Like that's really big. How did you do that? Catherine infiltrated. (laughs) you know in 2017 we had the tubs fire here and it was this place where we lost 22 people we lost 6,000 buildings we lost maybe oh hundreds of thousands of acres and it was a place in our community where folks were even either leaving and going to somewhere they felt safer or you were going to dig in more and figure out what else my community need and during that time our three hospitals are all located in the same place. So evacuations were happening and there wasn't a plan. And I had doctor colleagues and friends following me and saying, hey, I have no place for my patients to birth. She's lovely, she's healthy, she's a good candidate. Can you guys attend? Here's her chart. Here's her chart. Um, So we were trained as community healthcare providers. And we have that interaction with our community. So they thought of who's got the equipment to go do this and we did. And ever since then, I have just always been available for anything in my community that they need. And building those connections and collaborating has brought me to the place. And you know, there's a magic to it of who you meet and how you meet and I had a doula friend who was a doula in our county for over 30 years and retired about 10 years ago. And her daughter worked for our local EMT department. And I said, can I pick your brain? And within a couple of years, we had a CEU class happening in there. And one of the people came to the class was the director of our JC paramedic program. And he, took the class and he went home that night. And in the class, I let them know at the time I was in school to become a law enforcement chaplain, which I will explain in a minute. But he went home to his chaplain wife and he said, I think I have one of your students in my class. And she said, who? And he said, I took this midwife class. Today. She's like, oh, I know exactly who that is. So- um, Of course she does. <laughs> of course she does. That's great. Um, And that, you know, it's just, um, I have a big volunteer experience in my community and those connections also have helped me get to where I am. It's not a direct line. It's not, No. I go and shake this person's hand and say, hey, for this great curriculum, you need it. And they say, awesome, you're here. We've been waiting for you forever. It's more chipping away and making all the connections and seeing the opportunities in front of me to get my passion project going. And at the end of the class, his name is Art um, Hesh. He said to me, what is your, um, it was a, my first CEU class. He said, what's your dream for this? And I said, 
my dream oh okay my dream is to bring this into every paramedic and emt program in the united states taught by a midwife and they get as many hours as they can and he said okay let's make that happen let's start here and yeah. like oh i love that thank you so yeah. uh, it's it's a lot of just being a community healthcare and service provider and um, letting people know what my project is and what I'm working on and letting them support me and asking for help and being that involved that um, I can get other people as passionate as I am because I take <laughs> people along with me. If you're working with me, I'm like, isn't this a great idea? Let's all do this. Um, and That's April amazing. herself has amazing ideas where I'm like, yes, let's do that. Mm -hmm. um, so... I mean, that's the long story short of how I feel I got here. Writing the curriculum was a more fluid and natural experience because there were so many conversations being had about it and the specifics about what was needed and what I wanted to convey kind of fell into place. And giving mm -hmm. myself time to just do some CEU classes and figure it out as I went. What worked, what didn't work, what did they want more of? Um, so I don't know if there's one way to get to your dream, but I think part of it is being a community provider. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We're experts in that space. So it's, it's like a, a perfect transformation. Well, so April, obviously you guys work together. So you've probably been hearing about this for a long time. And what, what was the inspiration for you to start teaching it too? Well, I, I mean, uh, the, the inspiration is to make it safer for birthing people and babies to get to the hospital. By the time we, I mean, we have a lot of tools and we're really good at, you know, doing everything we can to keep people safe at home. And by the time we call EMS, we really need help um, and we need a really fast ride. And um, I've heard too many stories over the years of that fast ride being the reason that the outcome wasn't good. And that is heartbreaking to me. And I want to make oh, that so heartbreaking. Make that yeah. different. When we've worked our tails off to stabilize or 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 at least you know keep things <laughs> decent enough to get there, and then things fall apart in that ambulance. Um, for families and for the the EMS workers and for us and for the hospital, like that's a gap that we can we can fix that. You know, we we can work on that and we can do what we can to make that transfer safer and you know I recognize here in Sonoma County that we've I, I feel like we have a better um I, I I know that there's places in the country where with the laws and the lack of laws and the the differences and you know we can call EMS because we have licenses and we have some protection there are places in the country that that's not possible and figuring out how to make that safer is the goal mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. people feel like they can call for help when they need it and that when that help shows mm -hmm. up that they're going to be able to do what they can within their parameters and within their training to get babies and, and families there safely mm. so inspiring and it's absolutely imperative i mean I remember reading a study, um, I think the lead author was Missy Cheney out of OHSU, and it was about um, the differences in American midwifery care 
compared to say European or some right. other integrated system. And that was her point was like, there's no integration. The midwives might be just as highly skilled and the hospital might have all the same equipment, but they don't collaborate. They don't talk to each other. And that is what results in poor outcomes in the United States. And that is so heartbreaking and also absolutely true, you know? And so for you guys to be pioneering this real proof of concept here, it's a hope for us to become an integrated nation. Have you gotten some feedback from the students you had in your class? Like, do they feel relieved to get this information or is it super overwhelming? I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, I think in the beginning they were like, there were the looks on some of their faces when they walked into our scenario um, and the language on occasion <laughs> was, uh, you know, they were definitely overwhelmed and then after you know we weren't quite sure what the reception was going to be either and um when the class ended Catherine and I were cleaning up the scenario because we we went all out can we share some pictures of those we we let us share some pictures yeah, yeah, there's this yeah. great water birth hemorrhage scene and I'm like yes I've seen this a hundred times they've probably <laughs> never seen this so it's like perfect yeah we we, we set up the birth tub in the closet that was in the room. And, and I, then, just, I want to give a little back history. What they have is an entire fake village setup. They do. With a house okay. and market. Yep. And there's five scenarios that they're doing throughout the day, and we're one of them. Most of them are done with mechanical dummies. But okay. they gave us do it with real people and their mechanical baby. Yeah. Um, so the minute they saw yeah. us, they were like, And we were, oh. we were up there. <laughs> We were upstairs, of course. We were in a closet. We set the birth tub up in a closet. We we had meconium. We had bloody chucks. Um, oh my god! I so I, hammered, I hammered five times that day. Um, <laughs> and also took five ambulance rides. Took five ambulance rides. <laughs> and, and you know the sophistication of their training is actually pretty impressive. And that the the doll that they use, they um they control it with an iPad. And they can change the baby's vitals based on the decisions that the people in the room are making. And they could also change my vitals based on the decisions of the people in the room. And I either got worse or I got better. And the baby either got worse or it got better. And, you know, that that's pretty incredible and um, creates a whole different level of training for these folks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. When when the scene was all over and the day was all over, we looked out the window and the entire um, class we saw them walking across the the um, campus. the campus and I'm like, what are they doing? And they all came in and converged on us, you know. And there was how many how many students were there? Forty. Um, they all came into that little room and they helped clean up and they packed all of our gear and they took it all down the stairs and they packed our cars for us and they were so grateful. Um, and then we had a little session after. Sweet moment. Yeah, we had a little session after where they all were like, you know, this is our last scenario. And there were moments where I didn't know that, you know, that, that, that they were so emotional about what they had experienced. And um, they're like, we really feel better prepared and we're terrified and we're like, perfect. Because you should, <laughs> you should have some respect for, for what this experience is. Um, and it was, it was lovely and made us feel like we were on the right track. 
Yep, indeed. I, I hope you guys were really proud of yourselves. Like, did you get to see yourselves through their eyes? Like, oh my God, midwives are amazing. Like, did you get no. that view? As we, of have a moment. And yeah. we had that, each scenario had a seasoned medic in the room doing the iPad proctoring. and testing yeah. and proctoring. And by the third scenario in, he was like, I've been doing this for quite a minute in my life. And I thought I knew things. I have learned more today than I've learned in years. And I have a totally different view of what I'm managing in these scenarios. And I'm like, That's great. By the, in the first scenario where he came in, he was like, he was oh like, boy, what am, I, what am I doing like, here? What's gonna happen? But, um, wow. and the students, I had six hours with the students a couple of weeks before we did Scenario Village with them. And um, I saw the moment where it clicked for them our skill level and training and what we carry and what we do. And one student raises his hand and his question is, why do you need us? Like he understood like you are the expert here. Why do you need anything I can do? And the instructor said, because you are the fast ride to the hospital for these experts in the room. Um, the, other thing, the other thing we get across to them that makes them every every scenario that came through knew it. You can take a midwife in the rig with you. You're not relinquishing care to us. You can bring us with you. And we're still there to support, teach, assess. Um, and so every scenario, the first thing they're like, would you like to come in the rig with us? And we're like, cool. We got that point across. Um, but that's a big one. That's exciting. God. You know, we had five different groups of of trainees come in and do it. And every single one of them handled it differently. Mm -hmm. My favorite was the one who gave you fentanyl nasally because she had some pain. The proctor and me both were in the ambulance and she's getting and she's like, sure, I'll have that. We both give each other a look like, what is even going on here? And I'm like, we're the party bus, man. Every, every, single, every single group that came through handled the scenario differently. Um, and it was, that part was so fascinating and that it, and it really reinforced for us that we are the experts in the room yes. and we, you know, and that, that was really, <laughs> and I, I look forward to teaching that piece, um, yeah. and building the confidence in, in us as, as practitioners and yeah. providers of like, you know, this is, you're running the show. Cause we had our student with us that day, B Johnson and. Uh, I was like, so B, do you want to be the um, primary and I'll be your sister? And she's like, no. I was like, okay. Um, do you want to go on the ambulance ride? And she's like, no. But of course, the day broke down where she ended up going with baby and I ended up going with the leader. And by the end of the day, she's like, oh, they don't know anything. And I know all these things. And I'm sure her confidence level jumped a thousand points. And that could have taken years to get there. Because we all came into this thinking, oh, the EMTs know things, right? They know things and I give it to them. They don't know shit. They, not, they know how to do a heart attack and they'll take a heart attack any day. They're like, give me a heart attack. Not the yeah. birth scenario, not the birth scenario. So um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I just got to peer review a case with someone and uh, she handled the transport and they're in the bus and they get to the hospital and she gives report and she's going to leave and she's looking for the ambulance or the ambu bag or whoever's someone had something of hers. So she's looking for it and she comes across the EMS 
folks and the ms was like tell me what do you do how do you do what you do how do you learn i think i want to do what you do <laughs> she was like yeah come on so she got a student out of it and i was like now that's the collaboration we're looking for right there <laughs> it's like the more people get exposed to it and have an opportunity to see oh that's that's a career and yeah. i can do that and it's legal yes um, yes yeah. i know and that's that's this spreading this this uh this world you you guys are doing it i'm so proud of you i want to pause here for a second i i want to hear all about what happened in your day but this this is something i i teach when i teach continuing ed i teach a lot about how um midwives have a greater level of skill at a transport than do ems on all levels maternity care, postpartum hemorrhage, newborn care, NRP, we've got a higher level of education until we get into the room with the neonatologist, the NICU nurse, the pediatrics, the OB, like until we're standing with the people who are taking over care in the facility, the entire transport, we have the higher level of care. And that in states where it's ambiguous or you're facing somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, they haven't had these training, it's okay to pull rank and to put your authority out and be like, I know what I'm doing. You don't. Why don't you support me? And I was teaching this once and someone on the East Coast spoke up and she was like, nope, nope. We've been advised that when the EMS shows up, we hand everything over. And I was like, who advised you for that? And she said, the lawyer for the State Midwives Association has told them to back off with the EMS. And I, I was like, okay, well, follow your state law. Like, I, I can't override that. But it's so exciting for me to hear that that here on the West Coast, at least, we're maintaining that authority and that that knowledge base that we've cultivated in this relationship. Did you have any pushback? Did anyone say something like what I've just said? you no everyone no, assumes that you're the expert hear, they were happy to hear yeah. from their teacher that that was an option it made yeah. them understand um the collaboration that we're working on that yeah. why would you leave that person behind when they know everything you take them their brain is in the rig um yeah and honestly there were some great areas that we would that come right. to in how care could look and it was a also a collaborative discussion with the proctors and with the program directors of where does this fall? And some of it still falls in. We're not, We're not really yet. sure. But yeah. It hasn't been legally tried yet. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, the, the one, the very, one of the first scenarios, you know, the paramedic was like, you know, did you bring your meds asking us in the, in the rig? Like, did you bring your meds? And we were like, you know, and I, I, I was, my I, was I, I was hemorrhaging mom, but Catherine was like, no, we did not bring medicine. She's like, oh, well, then who's going to give the Pitocin again? And, you know, we, we've not been, we didn't even realize it was an option that we could bring our meds yeah. and that we could administer once we're quote unquote under their care. And we're not quite sure what that ruling even is or what that might look like. Yeah, um, but it's it's getting to be a discussion but on it's, that it's, base it's, education level so that we can get a language and figure out these nuances. What and are the protocols? What, what are, are the guidelines? And we're not entirely sure. So I'm excited <laughs> to I'm excited to explore mm. that and see if we can figure mm. that out. And we really want That's, to take away that dynamic where it is the us and them narrative. It's such an old narrative. 
and yeah. it doesn't have to look like that. And it even happens within the midwifery community. Um, yeah. You know, this also for me is supportive of the free birth movement because really I wish the statistics matched up with the enthusiasm at this point, but I don't think they do in terms of the safety of it. But who ends up managing it is the first responders. The EMS, exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also mm-hmm. a lot of um, ER docs. And, we're losing yeah. care birth centers, we're losing hospitals, we're losing care for birthing people. So it's going to fall on our first responders more and more to deal with um, unpleasant situations. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah. We need it Definitely. to be a really part of the narrative that. Um, it's not an us and them. We're all working towards the same goal. And um, midwives are your friend in the rig. And it starts on, you know, it starts small. Maybe not in my lifetime will this get to be a federal thing that every EMT gets this training, but um, it's- I, I like that dream. Not, Let's lean into that dream. I like that. Yeah, it's a dream. It's a dream. And the more folks who understand what we're doing, um, we've put together a class for midwives so we can teach them our curriculum and how they can get into their community as a community health care provider and start to teach their own EMTs and their own paramedics and get into their own programs. Because I think that's the way to do it is every midwife who wants them. Um, ability to um, get that training because not you don't have to rewrite the book every time. And I think oh. I, um, so yeah. that's what we want to provide for folks is how do you get to do this in your own community? That's awesome. Well, what, what can Midwifery Wisdom do to support you in getting this far and wide? Um, my, our website is com. Is it SoCo Midwives? Mm-mm. SonomaCountyMidwives.com. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll, we'll get that yes. in the show notes. Let's see how techy I am. Um, <laughs> and just uh, contact us there and we'll send you the link for the sign up for the class if you're interested in that. Also, we want to communicate with folks. Uh, we want to motivate midwives to bring this concept into their community and feel confident in doing it and have the tricks of the trade to present something that is cohesive, understandable, and in a usable language. Um, so reach out to awesome. us. Let us be supportive. Awesome. Well, we want we want you guys to to present at next year's conference because this is such important content. So we'll 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 do everything we can to get you out there. That's it's awesome. We appreciate the platform. Can I bring yeah. my yeah whatever you need what your support whatever whatever you need yes i i would be so excited to um to get this far and wide because it would make such a difference right i mean like i can't remember the year but there was a year or maybe 18 months in washington state's history in say 2006 maybe 2007 where there were six neonatal deaths all attributed to EMS transport scenarios all in the same year. Yeah. Um and I I haven't I haven't practiced in the US in in a, in almost a decade so I don't I'm not really deep into the realities but when I was practicing in the US um it was my understanding that in most states 
EMS paramedics, first responders were not carrying Dopplers, didn't were not required to take NRP, were not required to, you know, take extra breach trainings, for instance, or like any of those like crazy emergency scenarios, which was why they would encounter them. They they were taught to like cut the cord, you know, like like we're, yeah. we're missing huge pieces of data, right? Is that still the case? Is that is, is that what you're encountering? Indeed it is. And we got to go in and say, no, you don't cut the cord and this is why. And by the end of scenario, <laughs> they're all like, I understand. And you don't play with the fundus. This is why. Mm -hmm. Or no, they're taught to massage the uterus. We're like, no, 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 no don't do that. Stop. Not evidence-based. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. But basically, I think <laughs> one of the things that was really the, one of my big takeaways of a lot of this is realizing how incredibly different it is, not just from, from county to county, from state to state, but from training program to training program, from individual company to company, that there is no standard. There is no mm -hmm. standard for what they're being taught and what they're being trained. And the, the the amount that they're being trained can vary so much from one, not just like from one company to another company in the same county in the same town. And that's part of what I feel like really needs addressed because if we don't have yeah. these, like how, <laughs> like there's a standard for that? resuscitation. There's a right. standard for an AED machine. There's a standard right. after a car accident. Why isn't there a standard for birth? This is absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. And I uh, personally have taken the 911 uh, dispatcher training and EMT training because I just wanted more language. I wanted to figure out how to do this pro program. One of the things I learned was their language is not, in terms of how they communicate and their abbreviations, is not universal. From one company, oh, from one company to, or within the same state. And I raised my hand and said, why? <laughs> why? And they said, because that's the way we've always done it, basically. Um, so there's, wow. they have their own hurdles that they're dealing with um, within the structure of that care model. And I have That's a little so passion for these um, first responders who just want to do a good job. They do. Yeah. And yeah. our focus is saving them from the trauma that they experience yeah. because yeah. they burn out. They have a high suicide rate. They have a high cancer rate. They have a high addiction rate. And yeah. a lot of it has to do with throwing them into trauma and not getting care afterwards. So if we well, can- and, and being ill-prepared, it sounds like- Create the trauma, yeah. There's nothing yeah. more traumatic than not knowing how to help when you're supposed to be the one that's helping, right? I mean, that's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah, I'm sure, like I know several EMTs and- um, and the EMTs that aren't also midwives, because <laughs> that happens a lot too, but the EMTs that aren't also midwives, they all have like horror stories, you know, yep. walking in on XYZ, right? And and not, not knowing. And um, of course, many of the horror stories around birth revolve around home birth, right? Because mm -hmm there's going to be horror stories about a motorcycle accident or walking into a shooting or something like that would be horrible. But we associate childbirth as being like beautiful and joyous. And so it's even more shocking, I think, for them to encounter 
a torrential hemorrhage, a baby not breathing, a baby whose head is out and body is stuck and like all these things that they may encounter. Um, and it it's so sad to me that a huge part of the challenge and the trauma is that midwife that was in the way. That midwife, I was trying to get out of the way so I could treat the patient. And it's like, you know, it's so exciting. Like, really, I have the chills about what you're doing to, to shift this paradigm. We get so exciting. It is exciting. Thank you. <laughs> like, yeah, so exciting. There's so much erroneous information out there. I can only imagine what they're, I mean, like, if the general public thinks this about childbirth, you know, mix that with some some other people's opinion and some bad education and a childbirth video from the 70s, and these EMS are probably like, okay, you know, so then you guys come in with hemorrhage and water births and all this stuff, it, it, but you have the authority, you have the ability to walk them through those emergencies, it must be so inspiring. I have in my idea, in my head, some of the emergencies you might teach about would you be willing to share I mean I know this is proprietary and so like don't share more than you want to but like what are some of the because our listeners are mostly midwives so they're going to be fascinated like hemorrhage <laughs> resuscitation cord prolapse breathe like what are, what are you teaching on like that's what I want to know about. Uh, <laughs> yeah our, our scenario um that we kind of covered was like um you know we had a whole we had a whole um debrief like we we gave them you know age um parity and you know this was a 37 year old person who had a three minute shoulder dystocia after a pretty straightforward labor and baby was compromised and not breathing well and she was hemorrhaging with a um, retained placenta and partially <laughs> partially abrupted retained placenta and we kind of, uh, before the scenarios, they gave us things they wanted us to cover yes. in terms of training for that opportunity. Yeah. And then we, and then we kind of collaborated on some the places. Things. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we um, would like to cover, you know, the, the list continues to grow as we talk to more people of like, you know, you got to cover this, you got to cover that. This happened to me one time, that, those sorts of things. Um, you know, we're excited to hear scenario, more. What we did was take pieces from uh, hemorrhage that we had dealt with or you know that baby that remember that baby and that was that scenario so we took pieces of the story to meet their learning their needs um and then uh we tried to be really good actors Dead. and yeah. i i played a kind of my role was uh, a midwife who wasn't that engaged could give some information was doing her job well but um not as uh, available as maybe another midwife could be. Um, maybe she was in a trauma response or something, or maybe, you know, who knows? Response, just not a warm fuzzy and not, not a warm fuzzy. Uh, not okay. Forced, mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I told you that information, like I already gave it to you, not in a mean way, but not checking back in, like here's the vitals and here's this and get this. We, we need to get her out of here. And, um, right. And you played an amazing hemorrhager. And I also had a partner. Did you pass out five times? I want to hear all about this. I, also, I, I didn't always pass out. It depended on my vitals, but I puked a lot. Oh, wow. That's rough. We had, <laughs> we had a um, partner who was an EMT trainee 
and we named him Romeo. Um, okay. Romeo, my Irish husband. Your Irish husband. And he had to go along with every scenario as we played it out, because each one we tweaked a little bit. And he did great. Oh. Um, he, he really got, he, he started to really figure it out. And he, he came up with his own scenarios and how he acted towards the EMS. You know, he, we had him be the person who called and gave the report, um, a called for EMS. And that was another thing we kind of learned about is like the GIF batch, the information that's conveyed can, it's, you know, it's kind of like playing phone, phone call, like, like telephone call. when you were a kid, you know, the information just doesn't always well, with her LMP, <laughs> doesn't matter right now. Can we stay on focus? Her pre-pregnancy weight, okay, not not relevant. Stop. <laughs> so that you know, that's that's another piece we really want to cover. Um, yeah, as well is how yeah. to changing that script for the nine one one dispatchers. Script. Yeah, we've all we've all wanted that to happen. I don't know if you remember that. Was it? I, I mean, it's kind of. I don't want to call it an expose. But that really uh, challenging gatehouse media piece, did you ever hear that in, um, was it 2020 or 2021? There was this very adversarial adverti uh, advertising for this uh, piece of, of journalism exposing how dangerous home birth was. Do you remember this? Yes. And the way that they advertised this nine-page article was uh, replaying some of the very worst 911 calls to home births. Oh man. You should, Catherine, you should get your hands on this if you've never heard it because it is like, it is the reason. I don't know reason. if my skin is thick enough for that. Um, I know, right? As I mentioned earlier, yeah. I am a law enforcement chaplain, which means I volunteer twice a month for a 24 hour shift. If someone dies in our community out of hospital unexpectedly, either in your home, or out in a car accident or something and the police are involved, the chaplain comes and takes care of the family for the first couple of hours. Helps wow, them what an amazing commitment. Uh, I, I do the death work. We, we say that we're community midwives. We take you from birth to death and everywhere in between. Yes. Um, but what I learned in that is dispatch um, here where you use Redcom is kind of a nightmare in terms of what's relayed because what is relayed is the upset human on the phone making a call and in a midwife home birth setting it's not the professional it's rarely the midwife making the call with real information so these folks don't know what they're coming into and in the call what i get relayed is all of the upset that they're having also like you get the entire script script um so it gives me compassion for when those first responders walk in because they either have random lots of information or very little information or wrong information um so there's not much we can do about that besides understand that they don't know what they're walking into and they might have mm. really long information given to them mm. that's really intense i'm not going to work on um, art <laughs> yeah some, maybe not not today not maybe that's hard. someone else's project but but it all does fit together and it I'm gonna just sort of circle back to midwifery because it reminds me of the dysfunctional components of the healthcare system that we're running into right because you have the midwife and their assistants who may be involved at the birth in the middle of a transport 
And then you've got the firemen who generally show up first or the police who don't have any significant training. Then eventually EMS and a paramedic show up on the scene. Then there's the dispatch. Then there's maybe the receiving charge nurse who has a whole opinion about where you go and what you do. Then there's the doc on call or the resident or the hospitalist or whoever is being charged with making this decision. Sometimes you have to go through ER. Sometimes you have to be seen by an ER doc before you can even be referred up to OB, right? There's just this disfragmented, disrupted, and each of those scenarios is asking those clinicians or those service providers to make a decision for that in the moment. It's not following any kind of protocol. It's not following any kind of guideline, right? They're just asked to be like, oh shit, this fell in my lap. What do I do? What a terrible use of our resources to make people have to do that over and over and over. No wonder they're traumatized, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's not sustainable. Yeah, it's not sustainable. Another, That's the word. Yeah. Another thing that we kind of learned is that the, the titles that they give the, their practitioners, the ENT, the medic, the paramedic, that varies by com- from company to company as well. So, oh wow, tell me more about this. I, I, that's all I really know. Which I think is we're still trying <laughs> to figure have, it out. You know, and each but, of us go, but but each mm-hmm. like whoever walks in that room, you don't always know what you're not going to know what their training is necessarily, unless you ask some pretty specific questions. And we're still figuring this piece out. I just we, assume they're all first responders and um, they take a weekend that, training. And they don't have more than that, right? Yeah. You know, and getting in there and letting them know it's okay not to be the expert and it's okay to not know what's happening here. And it is a a bit of a shit show and it does require um, a different set of skills that you don't have. And it's okay because we do, we have them and we're here to help. Mm -hmm. And that whole breakdown Mm -hmm you know, in the system that we're talking about, you know, if we get to go on the bus and we get to be there in the ER and we get to be there, then we are the stabilizer. We are, we are bridging that gap and figuring out how to smooth that part out is, is part of the, part of the goal. Um, Right. And take it all the way to the NICU. And that's usually how we do it is we go from home to rig to if ER off you have to go through. So we're also getting to be part of the report that's given because a report given by an EMT, one of the things- Like being a telephone again. Yeah. It is, mm-hmm. And they forget to say hemorrhage first. Like if we're dealing yeah. with a hemorrhage, it's hard for them to remember. They're good at getting the stats out. And I'm like, no, first thing is it's a hemorrhage. And a retained well, so and so right so so i would love to jump in here because one of the ways that we teach at midwifery wisdom you know we have skills and drills and one of our stations is transport and in our transport station um i teach about using sbar because it's the most commonly understood verbal reporting system within the medical model do you, you're nodding your heads you agree you see this as well situation background assessment recommendations you're using this as well what yes. we're dealing with is we're bridging a language between midwifery assessments and deciphering and these first responders and what their assessment and deciphering is. And mm-hmm. that's where things mm-hmm. are getting mixed because they might be taking all yeah. the vitals and they may have all the information, right. 
but they're not discerning, oh, it's the hemorrhage. And here's all the vitals because of the hemorrhage. The hemorrhage is just right. part of um, Right. So that critical thinking, that prioritization of content, that's that's the big skill. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, um, uh, it's so big. I mean, gosh, this is so far reaching, right? Like what could come of this could be part of the paradigm shift that moves midwifery into the mainstream. It's so exciting. Oh, that's the whole so inspired by you guys. You know, yeah. one time I had a 19 minute resuscitation. I'm going to tell a little story. Um, uh, 40 weeks and two days, be back eight and a half hour labor as straightforward as you could be. Baby was about eight pounds. Um, heart tone's normal throughout 140 baseline, good variability, no D cells pushed for maybe an hour. Like you couldn't ask for a better scenario. We were not worried, right? That's the intro, not worried. <laughs> like one of those, like just permagrin sitting in the corner. You're doing great. One of those births, right? And, um, she birthed on a birth stool. Dad was helping catch baby came out. Good Good tone, good color, eyes open, no breath. So stimulate and dry and, you know, talk to your baby and the things. No breath. Okay, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to show you. Hey, buddy, it's like this. A couple breaths. No breath. Heart tones, 130, 140, pink. Arms aren't floppy, I mean, but not super drawn up, but there's enough tone that like they're in their body, they're here, no breath. So I breathe for that baby through the decision to call 911 till the cord stopped functioning and we cut the cord. Baby got moved to a stable place, still breathing, still assessing, still good hard tones, no need, no need for chest compressions, but no respiratory effort. EMS arrived at nine minutes and I have the baby on the transport board uh, ready to go and they won't let us carry the baby and that it has to be strapped to the gurney. So um, I couldn't figure out a way to like do that without like having the baby like close to me. So I just climbed on the gurney holding the baby's thing and I was like, you can strap it right around us. I'm going to stay right here because I can't stop breathing for this baby. They're not breathing. And nobody here seems to even have that awareness, right? So I'm like, I'm not letting this baby off my lap. So they strapped me onto the gurney and the baby's on me and so I'm breathing for the baby. So they wheel it out to the to the bus and um, load the ambulance and then trying to figure out if dad's coming with us, stopped in the parking lot. Hey, hey, can we go? Like, um, can can you can you leave now? You know, I'm still doing this. Um, few minutes later, we finally pull out and we drive the speed limit to the hospital, stopping at red lights. It's only a mile away, but that is an eternity in this kind of a moment. And so I'm like, if you had an adult back here, not breathing, you would go faster. Like, what is the disconnect here? And just really pandering, like, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Don't worry. And it's like completely missing the point, right? So 
luckily this hospital lets you go straight to the NICU. And so we went straight into the NICU and his first kind of gaspy breaths happened as we unloaded from the bus. And then as we get into the NICU, we start to hear those first cries, like he's coming around and it was a full 19 minutes. Um, and I just remember like this fury, you know, like this literal fury, like as if we didn't have enough on our shoulders, enough adrenaline, enough responsibility for people's lives to then be gaslit and discounted by the literal people we're calling to help us. I was so furious. And then of course, to add insult to injury, the doula, as well-meaning as she was, had kept a video running the entire time and thought that it would be fantastic if she just played that for the neonatologist, the perinatologist, so that they could they could see what happened. <laughs> so I have to um, yeah, oh I mean, you, you know, I, I think that's a typical yeah. scenario of they just don't understand the gravity of what they're transporting. Yeah. And yeah, they don't understand. Don't turn, they don't turn on the lights or they don't go quickly because it's not clear to them. They do not understand. And then they do not know how to communicate with this person who's in their rig, who's not a patient. And yeah, yeah that's a good point. They just leave. Mm -hmm. They just kind of leave the scenario, go into some mode of another human um and it throws them off from being their best assessing selves and i think a lot of it is yeah. the fact that there's a compromised baby and across the board even very seasoned medics are telling me still we don't like compromised babies nobody yeah. likes it. no one likes it but we i think the interesting it. thing is that when a midwife is there and we literally are so good at keeping things calm at keeping it together at running this scenario that they can't even tell that there's a problem the baby's chest was rising now mind you was attached to an amber bag that i was using every you know breath but but you know they they, they can't they don't yeah so that's one of the most critical issues and I could boil it down to that, that lack of trust, right? They yeah. didn't trust me as a provider. And I would say more than the trainings and the excellent hemorrhage scenarios, April, I think the most powerful thing that you guys are doing is you're building this trust. You're building this bridge. And now you've created this mechanism, this container, this class that can be replicated all across the nation uh, with other midwives. So I just, I want to take my hats off to you. I had to get you on here. The moment I saw it, I messaged April and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to tell people about this. It's so exciting. And I, I just, I want to give you another huge congratulations and and thank you so much for your work. Yeah. Oh, we appreciate the platform Indeed. and the acknowledgement. Yeah. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, We'll put the link down in the show notes for how people can take your class, um, how people can then become trainers in their own community. And hopefully this will spread like wildfire. Thank you. Awesome. Both. Thanks, Thank you.